listener production. Welcome to Crime Insiders Detectives. I'm Brent Sanders, your host, and this, this right here, is episode zero. Now, our goal in this series is to profile the work that detectives do, understand the way they solve cases and the impact that that has on them. But also we want to impart some of their knowledge from their life onto you, the listener, to help reduce the likelihood of you or someone you know being placed in a dangerous situation. I thought about the best way to explain this series, and that's, that's about the best I've got so far. You'll have to wait for the first episode to come out to see what really is going on. Now, the team behind the scenes insists that you guys need to know a bit more about me, so I'll oblige. So what we're doing is bringing in a producer to ask a few questions that you might have for me and the sort of questions that I'll be asking these detectives. So, Producer Ed, how are you, mate? I'm really good, Brent. How are you doing? Good, good. Fantastic. So first off, maybe just a top line job interview style, who are you? Well, uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a former police officer from New Zealand. Uh, for the past uh, over 25 years, I've been travelling throughout Australia, um, giving talks, lectures, seminars and senior secondary schools and universities. I've spoken to over 900,000 people during that time and sort of talking about what I've learnt, you know, during my time in the police and since and, and, and helping folks to understand the dynamics of, of sexual crime, offender psychology, self-protection, and also give an insight into, you know, law around consent and, and that type of thing. Amazing. We were actually just chatting off air about how Brent was just coming from a seminar this morning. So you truly are on the road. You're a man working. So take me back to the beginning. What, what made you want to be in the police force? Yeah, look, it's, I get asked that question a bit actually, mate, oftentimes when I'm doing my seminars. And, and look, if I'm going to be brutally honest, I got in a bit of trouble as a young fella. I got on the wrong side of the law yeah. <laughs> at about age 16. I won't go into too much detail, only, only to say that um, I crossed the line uh, on a couple of occasions. And um, I think it was, a, it was a turning point for me. And I guess in a nutshell, after that experience, Sort of pulled my head in a bit and ended up going into the police when I was 19, which is young. Yeah, I was the youngest recruit in the academy. Wow. So, so, so when, I, when I graduated, I was the youngest copper in the country. And um, it's not something you think much about at the time, but, you know, I look back at it and think, yeah, you know, going into the police, it was exciting. It was scary. It was all those sorts of things. And, uh, yeah, 19, it's, it's, it's very young. Yeah, very young. That's extremely, what an accomplishment. You know, mate, 19 is, uh, you know, I've got, a, I've got a 22-year-old son, I've got a 25-year-old daughter. You don't, you don't want folks going to the police that young, to be fair, but it is, that is what it is, yeah. As you're moving through the job and, and, and now you've come out of it, you've got a different perspective and we'll, and we'll get to life afterwards, but tell me a little bit about the work you were doing and then maybe as well, tell me about what's the biggest misconception that people might have a, about your job? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, you go into the police. You're, you know, you're a, you're a probationary constable for the first couple of years, and um, so you know, you spend a lot of time just driving around, wide-eyed, you know, with 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 somebody you're working with who's who's sort of far more experienced than what you are, and you're sort of learning on the run, sort of as you go. And I, I guess, I guess, a big misconception, and and to be fair, you know, most people's exposure to the police and policing, being a cop or whatever, it comes from TV, it comes from American British TV shows, and uh, 
One of the biggest misconceptions, I guess, is that it's all it's all exciting. It's all car chases. It's all locking up people. It's all chasing baddies. And look, there's an element of that. But anyone who works in the job will tell you that very often it's quite mundane, fairly quiet. You know, like if, say, you're working a week of night shifts, you know, you work on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday nights, you know, from 11 at night till 7 in the morning. You're driving around and there's not a lot going on. There's not a lot happening. For me too, one thing about the police is you just you just never knew what was going to come up around the corner. You never knew what that next call was coming through. So a lot of it is fairly mundane, but it's more than made up for by out of the blue, you can suddenly be launched into 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 something, you know. And I guess I guess the other thing that I've probably learned since leaving is now, I don't apply what I'm going to say next to sort of the high-level stuff, but mm-hmm. a lot of people you lock up, you know, young blokes, young people, young women, whatever, if you're going to be honest, it, it's not because they're bad per se. It's more often because they're a young person who's made a bad choice, often because of alcohol, peer pressure and stuff like that. So I guess the idea that the police only deal with bad people, that's a bit of a fallacy. You often deal with good people making bad choices or people who have found themselves in really bad circumstances. But I think, to be honest, for me, that was probably something I realised retrospectively and probably wasn't as aware of at the time in the job. You talk about how each call can, you know, you don't know what's around the corner. Mm. Is there a case that you're comfortable talking about that that has had a a big impact on you and and maybe that you still think about today? Yeah, yeah. it's a good question. You know, it, it's funny. There's there's a lot of cases that you work on. There's a lot of stuff probably stays with you. There's there's one situation. It wasn't even a case really. It was a it was a situation I found myself in, which I find, for whatever reason, I, I revisit. You know, at different times. It's a long, long time ago. I was in the riot police for two years, so I was on a unit with you know a large number of police, a couple of dogs, you know, thirty police, and we were deployed for to deal with large-scale violent confrontations. So back in New Zealand in the day in the 80s, a lot of dealing with the gangs. These are big gangs, big numbers, you know. And I remember we, 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 did, a, we did a warrant on a gang house. It was probably, I don't know, maybe two in the morning or something like that. And these are, these are very violent confrontational exchanges, you know, where you're sort of crashing into a house at two in the morning full of gang members. We're all kitted out in riot gear. You know, we look like we've just come from a bloody you know, Darth Vader convention and... Um, and you suddenly you're in this house and, and you've got to contain it as quick as you can, and which basically means taking people to ground. And, uh, and so they're all now on the floor. You're standing over the top of them. There's a lot of yelling, screaming, a lot of violence. Police dogs bark and attacking people. And it's all, it's all happening and it happens very, very quickly. And I remember, I remember standing over the top of this patch gang member. It was a mongrel mob, which is the biggest, most violent patch gang in the country. And um, the guys on the deck, you know, full facial tattoos, the whole nine yards. And in the midst of it all, um, these, these little kids sort of started walking in amongst the police and these guys on the deck. And they, these are little, little wee ones, you know, who are sort of just walking. And, and they're crying and they're frightened because some of these guys are their dads and, and, you know, these police have come in and it's just this awful, terrible, violent scene. And um, the guy that I'm standing over the top of screams out to one of the women to get rid of the kids, mm. you know. And as I'm standing there, uh, she, and I remember this just with such clarity, she goes into the kitchen, she got a tin of baked beans and she whipped the tin off the lid and she poured 
the baked beans onto the floor and all these kids went running in and were grabbing handfuls and sort of shoving it in their mouth and like they were starving, you know, and, and, and it's, it's one of those times for me and I, and I, it wasn't, I don't even think at the time I had the connection. It was one of those things looking back where you think of the, the, the trivial nature of what you were doing. You know, it's like, this is a cyclic problem. These, these, if I came in there in 20 years time, that little kid would be the guy now lying on the deck, you mm-hmm. know, because they grow up in this environment. They, their only dealings with the police are these awful, terrible, violent exchanges. They hate the police, and so yeah, it's 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 probably one of the things that comes into my mind. I don't even know why, mm-hmm. and I don't know don't know what you do or what you learn from that per se. But it's just one of the things that I have a very very clear memory of as a young police officer. That's an incredible story, and you'll be able to offer a bit of insight into this as well, Brent. Is I think this is what this series really is about: is hearing those stories and hearing that you know the impacts that it can have on detectives, and then mm. you know understanding how they may cope with that, and then then if they don't cope with that, what what they can do differently. Yeah. Did you employ any tactics and and take on any coping mechanisms with that experience? No, none. Um, it's different now. A lot different now. You know, now if young police attend, you know, fatal car accidents and, and, and deaths and things such as that, there's a whole lot of things available for them. In fact, I, I think after attending fatals, it's almost compulsory now that you take time off and they start to talk about, you know, post-traumatic stress. There was absolutely none of that in the 80s, 90s. Um, our way of dealing, the more violent the work that you did, the more confronting it was, uh, the, more you, the more you drunk. Yeah. That was how you associated finishing a shift where you've done something pretty awful, you've attended fatals, you've had to take families to identify deceased and things such as that. And that was that was how you dealt with it, which is appalling. But that was a time where anything other than that was seen as a weakness and you didn't want to show it and a lot of lot of damaged lot of damaged folks going through that for sure. Because you're not you know, as much as as much as you can puff your chest out and all the rest of it and say, "Oh no, I got through it. Didn't didn't infe- affect me." It's it does affect you, but you're probably not as aware of it at the time. Now, a big part of this series, Brent, is, is offering anecdotal advice to our listeners on, on how they can protect themselves and, and maybe not find themselves in, in dangerous situations. If you could give listeners just one safety tip to protect themselves against crime, what would that be? I guess my focus would be on the area that I've done a lot of work in over the last couple of decades, which is understanding the psychology of sexual offenders. And, and particularly, I guess, in this instance, unknown offenders who will target perhaps girls and women at random, yes? The advice that I'd give, and I would always filter this as if I was giving it to my own daughter, is is if ever you were to find yourself in a situation, you know, one of those ones that carries a lot of fear and quite understandably for, for, for girls and women, you know, walking home, walking from a friend's place, you feel you're being followed, you know, you cross the road, there's somebody there and you're feeling uncomfortable, the advice that I would give my daughter is at that point, if, if you're feeling that fear and all those instincts are telling you something is wrong, the, the, the best advice I could give is, is to run, run to somewhere where there are people or the person following you believes there could be people, make as much noise as you can, draw as much attention to that individual as you can. So run, 
make as much noise as you can and run to somewhere where there is likely to be people. And most people listening to this, uh, this, this interview will live in environments where wherever they are, there's a high likelihood of other people being. All research tells us that sexual offenders who target girls and women at random are looking for someone who won't run, won't scream, won't draw attention. The greatest fear they have is, is getting caught. They are absolutely paranoid of getting caught and totally unprepared for any other response other than a, a passive, fearful response. So I would tell my daughter, as I have told literally hundreds of thousands of women over the years, run, yell, scream. If, if that's not an option, yell and scream and even be prepared to physically confront. But that's probably going into an area that we need some more time to discuss. Yeah, exactly. And, and hopefully that's what we can discuss with the, uh, with the episodes coming up. Mm. And then finally, Brent, why do you want to host Crime Insiders Detectives? What motivates you? You know, I, I really enjoy sort of communicating. I, I do it in a different aspect in the other part of my working life. And I, I thought that the opportunity as an ex-police officer to sit with current or past police to talk to them and have that understanding and, and to try and get them through me to share stuff with people. I I thought that would be a super interesting thing to be involved in. And I, people that I've spoken to and I've told that this is sort of the approach that we're going to take with these podcasts, without exception, you can see people's sort of eyes light up going, oh, wow, that would be super interesting. And I've, I've sort of not heard that side of things before. You know, true crime is a, is a very, very popular genre of, of podcasts, as we know. I think this is quite a unique way to look at it. And, and it's one that I'm very, very comfortable with. And be it right or wrong, police are more comfortable communicating with other police than they are otherwise. So it's something I felt that I could maybe contribute to. Mm. Incredible, Brent. And thank you again, Brent, for, for being part of this of this episode, Zero. It's a fantastic insight and hopefully our listeners now uh, have an understanding of the work that you do and, and the episodes that will be coming up. Thanks so much, Ed. Really looking forward to being, uh, being part of it. Crime Insiders Detectives drops July 17th and you can catch new episodes every week.